Hello, this is Black Country Blokes chewing the fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Abby Nyant is the Black Country Blokes, tuning the fight with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cadman, Tom Garrett, Aaron Jew. And before I introduce our special guest today, I'd just like to say a few thank yous to Sky Stewart and WCRFM for having us on Saturday and BBC West Midlands Radio uh, for having us on Monday. One last shout out to our brothers over at Tough Enough to Care, Dan and Stuart, doing a brilliant job. Now over to our guest. Our guest is Tristan <laughs> Hardman Dodd. I forgot that right. <laughs> and he's going to be talking today all the way from France. He's originally from the Midlands, but he's moved over to France. He's going to be talking about anxiety, depression, uh, moving abroad. You know, when you just move abroad with your missus and unfortunately bereavement. So, Tristan, thank you ever so much for coming on, bro. Could you tell us a little bit of your story? Yeah, absolute pleasure. Just, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, guys. It's an amazing opportunity. I love, absolutely love what you guys are doing. A little about me. Um, my name's Tristan. Um, and a couple of months ago, I set up a Instagram account uh, called Speak About Anxiety. Um, mainly to sort of talk about my um, experiences of anxiety and talk about different mental health kind of issues. Kind of did it for three reasons, um, principally to share my experiences and hopefully, you know, people out there, if they're tuning in, watch the videos, can might, you know, listen to someone that's experienced, you know, mental health issues and it could help them out, make them not feel alone, you know, hopefully make that you know help them out basically um second reason is that i think it's so important that we try and get rid of this stigma attached to mental health you know i hate how despite everything that's been done and talked about there's still this thing that you know mental health it's frowned upon it's looked down upon and you know i want i want to do my bit in trying to get rid of that basically and then finally, the third reason um, is to sort of help myself out a bit. I think recently with this whole lockdown, COVID, and dealing with a few, you know, personal issues, I felt some of my old feelings and behaviours around anxiety starting to sort of come back a little bit. So talking about it, being open about it, being honest about it, has sort of really helped just to, yeah, get it out back in the open. And it's helped me to sort of keep it, you know, in check almost and a bit more under control. So, yeah. Isn't it funny what you're saying? Yeah. Like, uh, when you start noticing the triggers, that's a sign of maturity, isn't it? When you notice yeah, yourself yeah. starting to get, your stomach gets in knots or you may have get dry or your eyes get heavy. And I think once you've been through counting or been through whatever and you start noticing those triggers, it does help to hopefully prevent it happening. Yeah, yeah. Because th this is the thing, you know, I suffer from anxiety. You talk about it on, on, on the channel. For, a, you know, a good long period between the ages of about 12 and 19. And it really took over my life. And um, 
you know, in the end, I ended up getting some counselling and was in uh, see it sort of psychologist for quite a while, and it didn't go away though. It's always been there. It's still always going to be there. It, all the counselling and the psychology did was a, taught me ways to keep it, to manage it, to keep it in check, kind of thing. So when I'm really stressed, when I, you know big things happen, um, I feel it wanting to come back. And if I let it, if I just stood back and let it, it would take over my life again. And it, and it, you know, that was the thing. Um, it really did. For those five years, I was completely under the control of anxiety. Well, I would say, like, n- nerves push you through, like, but anxiety even pulls you back or just freezes you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, that was it. I mean, certainly for me, um, my anxiety, I think, was linked to, um, like, situations that I felt were out of my control. So um, it could have been anything. And I, if I felt like I was in a situation or I was about to enter a situation that was out of my control or unpredictable, I'd have these, like, panic attacks, which for me, I know people have different types of panic attacks. For me, I got really nauseous. I wanted to be sick, and sometimes I would be sort of sick. And over those years, it just got progressively worse and worse, where more and more situations were, you know, I felt were out of my control or, you know, um, were unpredictable. So it just got worse and worse. So it got to the point in the end where, you know, it's typical, you know, a teenager, everyone's going out, going to parties, meeting with people. I couldn't do that. It was too, as I say, it was a situation that I'd feel out of control, going out at night, going to town, going to Birmingham, something like that. My mates were doing that. I just couldn't do it because I couldn't predict what was going to happen. And it got to the point where it wasn't, I'd, you know, I'd be getting this nauseous feeling and actually be sick just thinking about situations that are out of my control. And, yeah, it got, it, I think it, it just got, as I say, worse and worse. And then towards the end, um, I think it turned, started to turn almost from anxiety into a bit of an eating disorder because I got into my head thinking that if I didn't eat, I couldn't be sick kind of thing so I, I that was agree. kind of I fully agree with that because yeah. I, I used to be like that I, I get a very nervous belly where I'm either going to the toilet or I'm throwing up and then mm. if I've only drank it's not as bad throwing it up but if I'd eaten I was frightened about bringing up that nasty yeah. sick you know what I mean yeah 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 that, that was it so it got to the point as I say I thought I convinced myself well if I don't eat or I only eat like a small amount you know mm. I can't be sick I won't feel these feelings and I think that was the thing that did it for me that's that was the thing that made me reach out and get help in the end because I was so afraid that I was you know I was going to end up you know killing myself almost or you know by not eating or you know starving myself to death and I was really getting skinny I was losing lots of weight um and yeah so that fear that I was really doing myself some damage was the thing that that forced me almost to put my hands up and I sort of said you know I can't do this anymore told my folks about it and uh yeah 
that's how I ended up going to uh, see a psychologist. But before that, as I say, it was in so much control. I was so scared to do anything about it. It was almost like this this thing that was, yeah, had such a control over my life. Um, but it was only that fear that I was, I was going to, you know, as I say, end up sort of dying or something that forced me to get get help. So, so how, how do you deal with it now, Tris? How do you how do you deal with day to day? Does it still crop up? Or, or you... it, it does, it does. I mean, I think what my, um, what the psychologist did or what my therapy did, it brought me a couple of, like, I talk about it this way, it brought me a couple of seconds. My instant thought when I thought of a situation out of my control when I was really suffering, within a second, I'd be feeling sick or I'd be sick. The therapy and the, the, you know, the psychologist brought me a couple more seconds, as it were. So it gave me more time to think about it and think and not just go straight into reacting to it. And I think over the years, I know, God, it's been years and years ago now, I've just built up that kind of like gap. So now... I'd know it's probably about 10 minutes. So if I sit down, if there's a situation out of my control, like, like COVID say, if I start thinking about it, if I start thinking about it for a good 10 minutes, I know that those feelings are going to start to sort of, you know, creep back in. So as I say, I've just got this sort of space now. And as I say, say now, after all these years, I've got this time that I can really think about it I can do some breathing work. I can relax myself down. And it just it's just brought me, you know, that extra time. But as I say, that's all I've done over these years. And God, it must be, yeah, 20 years since it was I was in full grip of it. But as I said, you know, as I was saying, it's never gone away. And if I if I let it, it would love to come back in. And I think Ultimately, it was a it was a survival mechanism that must have learned when I was a kid. At some point, I think. Well, what that is, you know, when when you're really frightened, you know, uh, fright or flight. But when I mm. when I flight, when I have to run, I have to get my body as empty as I can. So yeah, who are we? I vomit. So yeah. I'm at my lightest state, so I can get away faster. But just yeah. bring it up yeah. a point what what you're saying, because when I, I used to be like that in my late teens, early 20s, well, most of my life, through the 20s, really. And, like, mm-hmm. you'd be that hungry, um, but you'd be that hungry, but the hunger would make you feel sick, but then you'd feel sick. Yeah. You, and it was that, that circle of, I feel sick, yeah. so I'm nervous, yeah. but I feel sick, yeah. so I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a re, as I say, it's a real vicious circle towards the end, and it was, uh, yeah, it, I was just in that con- complete control. I thought there was just no way out of it, and then, the weird thing that I had with it was I thought it was so unique to me. I thought that no one would understand what was going on, that this would have been something if I did tell someone, you know, a doctor or therapist or whatever, they'd be like, oh, my God, you know, this guy's got something, you know, you're, you're incurable. There's nothing we can sort of do to help you. So I was convinced that, you know, this was something – so unique to me that yeah I, I was I there's nothing anyone can do and I 
I don't want to say that I was almost selfish in that, but I didn't see anything else apart from the, uh, you know, the anxiety. It was always, yeah, just a part of my life. And it, it seems weird to talk about it now. And, and when I think about some of the things like just being, you know, shit scared about just getting on a, the 62 bus to go into Birmingham, my mates would just be doing that and just not even thinking about it. And I'll be there like, yeah, in a real state. And sometimes I'll do it and I'll get on there, but I'd have to make an excuse. Oh, I'm just going to nip to the loo. And I'll be puking my, you know, guts up and I'll come back. And, you know, they'll just be carrying on. And it's, as I say, it seems almost crazy now, but that's just how it was. That That was the reality that I was sort of, having to deal with back then. And and I think that's one of the big issues that a lot of people kind of face is, you know, you try telling someone that, you know, you, you're absolutely per- petrified to go out your front door, to do something to a normal person. It's just so easy. They're like, oh, come on, just do it. What's the worst that can happen? We, we, were start- about this, we were talking about this the other day, but if a spider comes into a room, You'll see a six yeah. foot six bloke scream because yeah. that that's an almost an acceptable fear. Or yeah. I'm front of yeah. injections, or I'm front of points. But if you're front yeah. of balloons, clowns, squirrels, to you that is petrifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. That's it. And I think that's that's a big part of this this uh, stigma that's just attached. For me, I don't I don't see any difference between a, a mental. Uh, you know, injury or a mental issue and a physical issue. Going back to the bus thing, if you, if you, you know, break your leg um, and say, I can't go on the bus, everyone's going to realise what you mean. They say, well, I can't get onto the bus because I've got crutches. It's too difficult to do. They can see it. You know, it's really easy for them to sort of see, well, yeah, I can see that you can't get onto the bus. You can't do that. But if you tell them you can't get on the bus because something's you know going on in your head that you've built this up they just you know don't don't understand and I think when you can't see something uh, you know people that maybe haven't experienced it or don't really know what it is or maybe slightly afraid of it they don't know what to say or do so rather than saying anything they'll just keep their mouth shut or just just avoid it so you know I think in general we're too we're too quick to judge people on everything, um, yeah, whether, yeah. whether it be your your fear or whether it be what we're talking about now. Everything is judged well too quickly, and and you don't you don't appreciate someone else's feelings around things. Yeah, 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 definitely. And I was talking about this actually earlier on with my you know my wife, and we sort of saying that I reckon there's been so many people that I know probably known now known before that they've got mental health issues but they didn't talk about it it was like oh it's just your uncle he's all right he just spends all that time in the shed by himself he's just a bit funny like that or Mm -hmm. you know granddad tom yeah he likes a few drinks he just you know yeah he gets a bit you know too pissed there's nothing to worry about or he's a bit of a loner or this or that Mm -hmm. and you just wrote it off you just say yeah that's just who they are but now, when I start thinking about it, they probably were, you know, suffering or something going on there. But, of course, no one would sort of question it or ask, how are you feeling? You all right? 
they just you know just say yeah it's just a bit odd you know it's just just how he is and it's weird how that, people are probably aware of it but don't want to say anything well that's what we're trying to do here break down those walls because what you were saying and what we've all been through individually if we could have talked like this uh, in our 20s or teens we'd have had a, a better adulthood but hopefully the yeah. next generation will that brings yeah, me up to what yeah. i wanted to ask you about like because uh, I know there's something that uh, two out of the five of us, I'm sorry, that Lee and Tom can both identify with as well, like having miscarriages. And uh, mm-hmm. and before you talk about like because obviously a lot of the focus has gone to women because that woman is cooking that baby in the, in the oven in her belly. But they forget yeah. that when we're pregnant, when we, you and your partner are pregnant, you've got these dreams because you are also creating a life. But a lot of the time, yeah. men just, it's, how are you, Kate? Are you okay? And they forget about Kev, who's just, you know, he's drinking himself into insanity or he's going to work or once again, he's yeah. in the shed. So could you tell us yeah. about your experience, please? Yeah, so that was it. So, you know, um, I say, yeah, we're, I'm living in France at the moment. My, uh, my, my wife got a job over here four years ago, so we dropped everything and sort of moved over. And... Um, we engaged when we came over, got married about six months in. And, you know, one of the big things was, you know, let's let's start a family. And, you know, you've got these ideas in your head how it's going to be and all this kind of thing. And we, we ended up, we tried, and we ended up having three miscarriages in a row, pretty much one after the other. And then we went to um, see, like, a specialist and found out, you know, we just can't have kids. On both, there's... there's bit of an issue for both of us I know we're getting a bit older and this kind of thing but yeah so we found all these things out and yeah it was just it yeah it it, yeah it's really tough as I say you have these ideas about how things are going to go what's going to happen and then when it doesn't yeah it's yeah, it's so, you know, it's so sort of takes the wind out of yourselves. It's, yeah, it's unbelievable when you get that news. And, yeah, it's taken a lot of, you know, coming to terms with. And as I was saying, you know, me talking about this stuff now, I think that was definitely one of the things that that wanted to make the anxiety sort of come back. I mean, those, especially after the, you know, we had the first one and, People always talk, oh, well, you know, a lot of people have like a you know, miscarriage the first time. Oh, you know, you'll be okay the next time around. And then, well, my wife got pregnant again. And you think, well, you know, it's definitely going to happen this time. And then, you know, when it didn't happen the second time, it's just, yeah, it was, it was really bad. And then the third time was just... Yeah, uh, you know, unbelievable. And the, 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 that was the time, yeah, when I really felt that anxiety coming back, those weeks waiting for that first scan, waiting for that thing, and then to be, you know, to get that news. It was, yeah, unbelievable. And, and like you say, it's one of those kind of things. It's, it's yeah, something that... A lot of the time, it's you know what the what the girls going through and this kind of thing, and understandably so. I can completely get it. I mean, my you know my wife, 
afterwards went through it's not just getting the news it's what happens afterwards and all this kind of stuff you know she really went through the ringer and and as the guy you've got to sort of keep strong you've got to sort of hold it together or you expected to and I suppose I did to a to a degree but it's yeah it's I think there's a lot of expectation how you should sort of act and how you should be but it's a lot easier said than done I think and it yeah it was it's probably one of the you know worst yeah, worst times in our life, really. But we're both our lives, and it really was, yeah, just sort of horrible. And I think it's, again, it's something that, you know, we, we as guys really need to talk about. I mean, it's only now that I found out that, you know, some of my other friends, it's happened to them. And it's only when I've said to them, oh, you know, this is what happened, you hear their stories. You know, it's not something that people sort of, necessarily want to talk about or um you know they almost think if they they talk about it they may jinx something or i don't know it's just yeah so it's it's a really difficult thing you know sorry sorry tristan yeah yeah no of course i was gonna say tom would you like to chime in on anything yeah i mean you know i was just saying i think from from my perspective, it was, you know, I'm very much the type of person. I like to know what's going on, you know, like in front of me, whether it's three months, four months, five months. And I think the, I think the hardest thing I found was, you know, like obviously went after, you know, after about eight, nine weeks, we started telling people. Um, mm. And then it got to, I think it was 17 weeks, we found out the gender. Um, and then it was just, you know, we was going to Toys R Us, we was buying things and, you know, obviously colour coordinating, stuff like that. And, and then it was, you know, to have all that ripped away from you, it was... Like you just said, you can't even put that into words. Um, but yeah. you know, like, rightly so as well that you know, like you said, that the, the woman, you know, she carries it, and it is a lot worse. But you know, for the bloke, I think once you've got yourself into that mindset that you're gonna, you know, be a dad or do this, yeah, it's not yeah, very yeah. hard. After it happened, I think you know, I've, I've said to a lot of people in the last few months, I was very like, you know, I felt like everyone was against me, especially after you know, yeah. when she'd lost it, I felt like you know, even. Even though no, there wasn't some of my own family members. I thought, why are they just being all right about it? you know what, what like it's gone? But yeah, it's yeah. tough. And yeah, I, I completely understand. It was really difficult for for me, especially when you'd see loads of people around, you know, with pushing kids in prams or you know, yeah. dads in the park playing with their kids, and you kind of think, you know, what could have been? Yeah, and yeah, I think that's for, yeah, for me, for me just, especially because uh, uh, sorry, because. Uh, um, where, where I work in the barbers, you know, I see a lot of dads and lads come in, you see kids running around. I think that was something I really struggled with when I went back to work, you know. Mm, mm. Yeah, I just yeah. Put it the finger. And I, I definitely, you know, on that one, it was very hard seeing other kids. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, again, it sort of goes almost back to this kind of stigma, this idea that, you know, guys, you, you don't talk about this kind of thing, whether it is miscarriage, whether it is depression, anxiety, whatever it is, you know, it's this weird sort of expectation that you've, you've got to, you know, show that you're a man, show that you're tough by not, not letting it bother you. And I think the worst thing that a lot of people can do is they just bottle it all up and they just force it down and, yeah, fuck it, I don't, you know, I'm all right. And then at some point, that's going to that's gonna come out. I don't care who you are, how tough you are, 
how mentally strong you think you are, if you keep on just forcing these emotions down, this sadness down, and you don't, you know, give it, a, you know, an avenue. I'm not sort of saying cry every day or something like this, but if you just keep a lid on things, it's going gonna, it's gonna to come out, and it could come out, you know, years and years later. You know, it could come out when you're in your 50s or your 60s and you have like, you know, a midlife crisis or something. But just to just to let it out, have like a bit of a pressure valve just to talk about it. And, you know, I don't think it, sometimes you don't have to, you know, go to therapy. You don't have to see a psychologist. Just find someone that, you know, you trust, someone that understands. You just say, fucking hell, I'm having a really shit day today or I'm feeling anxious about this and someone that just just talking about it, just getting it off your chest can make, you know, a big difference. And I think one of the the best things that's always come out for me from from the anxiety now is just being open about it. And I kind of wear my heart a bit more on my sleeve now. And I really don't think that's such a bad thing. And if yeah, if I tell someone that, you know, I'm feeling anxious or nervous or feel a certain way, and they react to me like, you know, oh, you know, you're, you're just weak, you're, you know, just man up and this kind of thing, that's their problem. It's on them. If they want to, if you want to, you know, watch uh, Bambi and not cry, even though you want to, that's on you. But if I watch that and I let it out, it's okay. It doesn't matter, you know. Chris, I think uh, we've, we've got a question here off, um, off Steve Andal. How are you doing, Steve? I hope you're well, mate. Um, oh, this, yeah. is actually, this is actually to all of us. I'll bring it up on screen now oh. and uh, maybe, maybe we'll start with Tom and we move our way around. Um, so it's Guy's question to you all. In moments when you believe you have needed to show to be the classic strongman, do you think that's how... It was seen by others, or do you think that your feelings actually showed through, no matter how hard you tried to keep them in? You want to start with Tom, and we work our way around. Yeah, so I mean, <clears throat> I think for me, it, it, there was definitely people that I was surprised by. Um, you know, I always thought there'd be certain people who would be, you know, like sort of. Hang on, sorry, just one second. Yeah, so so I always thought there would be the people that would care more didn't care if that makes sense and then the ones that surprised me you know was the ones that got behind me a bit more I mean you know I had like lads who you know I used to knock around me who was texting me saying yeah they had a bit of a you know a bit of a cry when they found out what had happened you know that was really touching I think you know just just hearing things like that it was a good thing but then on on the other hand you know in the job that I do is you know it's a very manly environment should I say and you know I, I, can, I can definitely tell there's people I wouldn't be able to open up to you know without being judged or you know sort of maybe laughed at you know taking the, the piece or whatever but yeah that's probably my take on it. Kev? Me? I mean I'm always really strong at the moment I'm, I'm tough when I have to be you know uh, and I hold, I hold my shit together look after my family look after everyone as soon as it's over, I've done a breakdown. You know, that's once I haven't got to be brave no more, I'll go into tears and into a dark place. But that's just my mechanism of getting us through the door. Tris? I think for me, yeah, I probably have put on the strongman fate, you know, put on the strongman attitude. And, and people have 
have thought, wow, you know, he's the strong man there. But, you know, like when I had my anxiety, it's very good at convincing people everything was okay. But I've always felt like by doing that, I've always just cheated myself. You know, at the end of the day, it's doing me damage. It's not helping matters particularly to, you know, be like that. I think you've got to be honest with yourself. And I think if, you know, don't put on the front. Again, you don't have to burst into tears. But, you you know, you don't have to just pretend, yeah, like nothing's happened. So, as I say, for me, yeah, I've done it. But I, I, I just haven't helped myself out at all. It's not worth it. Aaron? Um, I'd probably say pre-25, i.e. the age, I was probably trying to be the classic strongman. And I think that was just, it was just a guy thing. And I think it was around, probably around 24, 25, when I first saw my dad cry for the first time in my life. And I think when you see your dad cry, that's completely mm. different because you're yeah. like, this guy cries. Like, that's unheard of. And I think seeing that, actually, it was probably a few years before that, seeing that happen, you kind of realise it's a little bit more acceptable that, that you can cry. And then I think around the age of 25, 26, I started understanding a little bit about anxiety. I started understanding about myself. And I'm a very, very emotional person. So I can't even try and fake the classic strongman thing because I just break down and cry. Um, so literally, I think all my friends and family would know that now, you know, when we've had funerals and we've had passings and stuff, I am just, obviously I'm trying to hold it together because I don't, I'm trying to think of my siblings and my parents and stuff. But when I need to cry, I do let it out because I realize how important that is as well. So I have no sort of bravado about that anymore, especially because, of what the work that we do here, I think it's important to practice what you preach. There's no point in me telling people to reach yeah. out and be strong. And then all of a sudden I'm doing the complete opposite. So I think again, a bit of exposure there. Maybe I think we will probably relate to seeing our dads as kind of like superheroes in our life. And the moment you realize why well, they're just normal people as well, it gives you, it gives you the, I, I don't even know what the word is. It allows you to then be normal as well. Mr. Cadman. Thank you, mate. Well, in truth, I think I think I'm still the classic strong man in that sense. I could get a gold medal for this, you know. It's um <laughs> we spoke about this before, and I've you know the situations that I'm put in, I always still feel I have to be the the, the, the strong man behind it. Although that is slowly, slowly eroding. It's it's taken a long time. But habits are hard to break. Um We've had a lot happen within the family over Christmas. We've, we're waiting for a lot of results with my daughter. And it re it does bother me and it keeps me up at night, but I won't let Nikki know that. You know, mm -hmm. well, I, I'll probably have now. <laughs> but, but yeah, but usually I wouldn't let Nikki know that. Um, but what I will say, it always comes out in the end. So although yeah. although I'm getting through it that way at the moment, maybe two, maybe two months or a year down the line, I know it'll catch up with me. I think, I we, think have that's... To, we have to we have to find our mechanisms and we are all different. We have yeah. to know our mechanism to get us through the fog. And yeah, yeah. You, I'm like we leave with your daughter and your other two kids and everything and your wife obviously. Um we, we have to find our way, be it the right way, the wrong way. You know, we have to get through the situation and we all know we've got to pay the piper at the end of it, but it's just getting through that fog. Yeah, I, I mean I find it Sorry, Tris, but I find it very easy yeah. just to throw myself into things as well to, to kind of forget about 
yeah. what's going on. Um, and it gets even easier when you when you're uh, trying to arrange podcasts. But you know, that, that, as as a, as we know, that's a full time job on its own now. Um, so yeah, I think you do. But, but it, it does. It always it always does catch up on on you. But that's but I suppose that's the important thing though. As long as you can let it out, I think the real issue comes with a lot of people is when you just don't let these things out. You know, when it's just just builds up and you just think the best way of dealing with this is just to keep that kind of strongman persona up. Even if it is, and I suppose we've all been in these situations where you do have to be that sort of strongman, but like you're saying, Kev, if you afterwards, you're that rock there, but you go out and then you sort of deal with it or you let it out or you talk about it or how you feel, I think that's, that's good. That's a really positive thing to do. It's when, you don't have that release. I think that's where the real issue comes from. I just I wanted to add, sorry, sorry about, sorry, just going to add something mm. to that. You know, I think, because I think on the other end to that, you know, I, I totally agree with your point, but I think in, in, in the work that I do, and you know, I, I suppose this is job dependent, but I always think it depends what your boss is like. And I think your bosses takes what your bosses mm-hmm. takes agrees on mental health because you know, like without naming, if I have worked in places in the past and they have treated me like absolute shit, um, whereas, you know, the person that I'm working for now is a brilliant guy, you know, anything I ask for, he understands, you know, what other way I am, I've, I've spoke to him about, I could speak to him about anything. And I think sometimes, you know, I've never really worked in a high intense sort of like, you know, city office sort of job, but I can't even imagine, you know, like the mental pressures, some of them, you know, to finish work on time. And I just think the bosses at that point say, well, you know what, you know, take your time on that, mate, because you, you know, your mental health, mm-hmm. they're not going to say yeah. that, are they? And I think, I think that's yeah, what we yeah. all, you know, we all want to see change really. Yeah, uh, yeah, we, yeah. We have another question in from uh, from Kieran. Kieran, I will phone you, mate. <laughs> Just trying to get round to it. Sorry, I promised him a phone call. Um, I will, I will do it. So this one, those of us that have, sorry, let's, those of us that have had to put on a strong front, brave face in moments when you didn't want to. Do you think this is a learnt behaviour from childhood? Maybe whether that be from the way you were raised from friendship circles you were in, did you see this behaviour a lot growing up to make you think that that is what you have to do? Can I answer that one firstly? Yeah, mate, crack on. (laughs) I I, I think some of it is learnt behaviour, like uh, how you see your your family and your peers. Other times it's like when you've been bullied as a child and you go, um, I'm never going to let anyone ever do that to me again. So I think it's, Part what's it? Part nurture, part, part nurture, part nature. I think they both have factors in it. Aaron? Anyone else? Yeah, I, I think I'd agree with that. I just think, again, I would say exposure. If you're exposed to the more things you're exposed to, the more things that you can then take a different perspective on and think differently. For example, seeing men cry, for example, will then make you realize that actually it's okay if men cry, or seeing people you know overcome bullying or whatever the example is it's all about exposure and i think however small your bubble is in terms of what you're seeing seeing on a day-to-day basis whether that be at your school or your home environment is pretty much going to form most of your beliefs and your thoughts so it's important that conversations like this i mean i found this really really refreshing that there are had more often than not especially guys talking about miscarriage and not to just go off on a complete tangent but i do want to just quickly say this um as i've got to sign off in a bit to hear two guys speak about the other side, guys, like that's commendable. It, it, it's touched my heart. I've not gone through what you guys have gone through, but I have 
interviewed a lady back back end of last year who had seven miscarriages before giving birth to her daughter, which was like a miracle. And when, when I first heard that story, I, I was emotional. I'm getting a bit choked up now. And I didn't know it. And this wasn't via Zoom or anything. So to hear guys talk about this, I think it's so important because as much as that admiration I had for her and her strength and everything that she's gone through, there's, there's another partner as well involved in that. Um, and I don't know, I don't want to step on no one's toes. I don't know if it's biologically impossible, but that's a lady there, a living miracle. There's seven miscarriages and then the eighth one. So, you know, if there is like a 1% chance, you know, I wish you guys obviously get, obviously get that again. I had no idea about this sort of stuff. I never thought about it. Even when I got married, you just think you get married and you're just going to go and have a kid the next yeah. day. And that's why these conversations yeah. are so important. So before, obviously, I sign off in case I don't get to jump back on, I just want to say thanks to both of you guys. Uh, no problem. Saying that. And thanks, Kieran, obviously. Yeah, no, of course. But I think like what we're all talking about here with like the bravado of being the tough man and whether we do have that re release valve, Basically, the nooks and crannies of it is this is why so many of us blokes are completing suicide each day. Because yeah. either we've yeah. got to keep up that facade of, yeah, I'm on bulletproof, yeah. or, yeah. or, the, or, or, or as you said, Tristan, I push it down, push it down, push it down, and then I pop. I either yeah. go and write some poor bugger off or I end up doing it to myself. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and I think that's the biggest elephant in the room here that it is one that it's the. I think it is the biggest killer of like men between, I don't know, 18 and 40 or something, suicide. Mm. I mean, you know, it kind of says it all really. And the thing that really scares me is that it almost doesn't take a lot. You can have like a bad episode where you get really work yourself up and just do something. And without, you know, really thinking about it, you know, you, you're gone. You know, you, you drink loads or you throw, you know, chuck yourself out in front of a train or something. And, you you know, it can happen so quickly. Um, and that's the really, really scary thing about it. And people, uh, I hate the thought that people out there are, are, are killing themselves because they haven't reached out and spoken to someone and just told someone how they feel or you know, for some people, just take that little bit just to make a big difference and just know that someone's listening or doing something. And I hate that idea that, you know, because of the stigma, because they feel like they can't say anything or do something, they end up, you know, taking their own life. And I just, I hate the thought of that. And with suicide, it's not only one life that's ruined, yeah. is it? It's, it's, your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your child, the person you went to school yeah. with. And, and it leaves so many doubts of, could I have done something? And I think with yeah. mental illness is, most people who are mentally ill wear a bloody good mask. And nine times out of yeah. ten, it's not the guy who's going, well, it's me. Okay, I did it. It's the guy every morning, you're right, Tristan, you're right, Lee. It's that guy who's always got a smile on his face. And then one yeah. day he doesn't come to work and you go, where's yeah, he Yeah, yeah. That was the thing when certainly with me, with my anxiety, I, I had a front. No one knew a thing. It was when I sort of came out with it, everyone was really shocked and it was like this big thing and they couldn't believe it. And it's amazing how you can sort of, like you say, put on this mask and no one will see it. There's this thing, whatever it is, will help you make that mask. 
And, you know, people, you know, will be suffering for months, for years. And like you say, then one day they just don't turn to work or something happens. And, yeah, it's, it's so easily done. And, yeah, it's just... And this is like, this, at the bottom of this page, there's loads of helplines. And please, I say it on most shows, take the courage to accept the help. Yeah. There's no weakness yeah. in uh, asking for help. There are hotlines on the bottom of this page. And if you, if you don't, if you can't see, talk into your phone, finding helplines, because your life is worth it. I know we don't often think we, we're worth it when we're in that dark room, but please reach out because it takes courage to ask for help. And, and I, I completely understand where people are coming from. It's terrifying reaching out for that help to make that call or to let someone know. It, it, yeah, it really is a scary thing to do. But the, once you've done it, you can get help. You can not feel like the way that you're feeling anymore. There, there are people out there that will understand, can help you. There's ways to do it, but I, I completely get where a lot of people are, where it's just terrifying even to make that first step to, to ask if for you, help. If you look at the group we've got now, five of us, out the five, three people have unfortunately had miscarriages. All five of us have had bad anxiety. So this is just in a group of five. So yeah. how many people out there are listening to this episode on whatever it is, YouTube, Facebook, whatever, and going... Well, I am not alone. And I yeah, think that's the biggest that's struggle when we are sat there thinking, no one's ever going to understand me. You know, I, yeah. I'm weird, I'm odd, I'm abnormal. But then you hear people going, I cry, I have anxiety, I have panic attacks, I've had a miscarriage, I've yeah. got a disability. And then you go, bloody hell. And hopefully more of us guys do this. Hopefully more people will just randomly pick up the phone to a mate, an yeah. old pal, a next door neighbour, yeah. A, yeah, a drinking yeah. buddy, whoever it is, and just go, I'm in a bad place here, Tristan. Yeah. Kev, can I just ah. react to that as well? Tristan, if that's yeah. okay, if that's okay mm. mate. Um, I think the more conversations that we have as well, I mean, like this one today, I think that's going to help people come out their shell a little bit more and see it as okay. So when you were saying something earlier on and you, you were kind of thinking you were weird and unique, i.e. With the, with the bus, jumping on the bus, I started laughing yeah. when I heard that because I had that anxiety doing yeah. the simplest of tasks. And I used to grow up thinking there's something weird about my personality or I'm yeah. broken and I have to mask it. So often I'd mask it throughout university with alcohol. So when I used to drink, yeah. I was the ultimate person that I wanted to be. But the simplest yeah. things like picking up a phone call would absolutely frighten me to death. Yet yeah. I, could, I could do like so many other things that people would assume oh this person's very confident he, he's an extrovert yeah. but inside i was crumbling and i used to look around and think surely everyone can't be this stressed or this overwhelmed or overthinking this much about the simplest of tasks because what happens is it becomes really tiring as well like your yeah. energy you're just sapped at the end of the day and then you don't want to be around people then you start isolating yourself which again is, is a very very um, dangerous road yeah. to go down so yeah. i just yeah. wanted to bring that point back up because when you said that i was like Thank God there's somebody out there like me. Yeah. Because again, yeah. we all want that commonality with people. We often, when we're experiencing our lows, think we're alone. But I think we need to recognize for anyone listening to this or anyone out there that we are not alone. As Kev just pointed out there, there's so many people experiencing the same things as us. And 
as much as I don't want you to go through that because I've been through it, it's reassuring to know that I'm not alone as well. Yeah, yeah. And it, and it's okay to feel these feelings. They're not, you know, it, it it's all right. That it's understandable. Like at the moment, the whole COVID and the lockdown thing, you're bound to feel, you know, these feelings, you know, it's at some point. And if they get worse and worse, it's understandable to sort of know where they've come from. If you've if you've had a really bad childhood or you've, you know, you've suffered miscarriages, you know, it's understandable to have this kind of reaction and, and to, you know, um, it to have an impact on your mental health. I mean, no, again, no one would question, you know, you get hit by a car, no one's going to go, well, you know, or be so shocked if you've got a load of broken bones. You know, people will expect that to happen but if you have a you know something bad happens you have a real trauma some people think oh well you know just brush yourself off or you know just man up you'll get through it we well, need to recognize right, you've got to be a right bastard if you see someone get run over and go come on bird get up man up yeah yeah no no one would do it no one would just go come on man up stiff up a lip you'll be all right yeah. Go on, just do it. No one would do that if someone had broken legs. It'd be rushing over, walking to, and all this kind of thing. And they'd really understand. But it was, like I was saying before, it's when you can't see it, people just don't seem to get it. And, yeah, it shouldn't be like that. Lee, did we have another comment? Did I see something flash up? Mr. Cadman. Sorry, mate. Um, um... <laughs> Uh, no, right. It was just people um, agreeing with what with what we're saying, basically, and and so not not a question as such. Well, uh, uh, what time are we on? Well, Trisha, unless there's anything else you'd like to say, bro, I think that's been such a, an enlightening um, conversation because I know so many people who have gone through it, and it's um, it's not something that we often talk about. So no, you know. No. I, I, and if you've got a brother, an old pal who's gone through it, you just pick up the blower and see how they are. Because often we, we phone up to see how Kate is, but everybody we phone up to see how Tristan is. Because it takes two to tango, gang. And, you know, that, that joy's been sucked out both their lives. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, think, and I think that's it. This is one of these things for people that, you know, are fine mentally. It's good just to listen into this, to realise that there are people out there struggling. You may be fine, you may be all ready to go, but just to recognise that someone that you may be really close to may be struggling and just to be aware. And if they do come to you and they do say something that you think's a bit crazy or stupid that, you know, they're really scared to open that front door or make that phone call, um, you know, just be a bit understanding. Just, you know, don't judge recognise that there may be a bit more going on there and sort of, you know, be there for them, I suppose. Yeah. Well, as I say, the one thing that we want to be contagious at the moment is a bit of kindness and a bit of uh, compassion. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to advertise first to show, Tristan. So while I'm doing that, I'm going uh, to let you have a little thing about some sayings or quotes or things that have just helped you get through life. So just yeah. while I'm having this rattle. So guys, we're going live again same time on Thursday, 7.30 UK time. 
where it's a bit more of a light-hearted conversation with just me and the other blokes having a chat. If there's anything you'd like to talk about, please uh, message on Instagram, YouTube, and all these things I have no idea about. And as always, feel free to join in with the conversation. So, Tristan, any sayings or quotes that helped you get through life? Uh, I don't know. Good question. Uh, I suppose, really, no one said it was going to be easy. Well, thank you, Tristan, for coming on. <laughs> My absolute pleasure. Thanks, guys. It's been great. And, yeah, really appreciate, you know, the chance to talk about these things. So important. So, guys, until we see each other next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Ta-ra, See you soon. Bye. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you'd like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, ta a bit. Listen, listen, listen.